Hey coaches, and welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. For all the up-to-date information on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association, you can visit our website at www.or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. I'm Derek Duman, OBCA Secretary and Boys Basketball Coach at West Albany High School. Today, I'm joined by Glenn Lee, girls basketball coach at Mountainside High School. Coach, how are you doing today? Good morning. I'm doing very well, thanks. Sun's out and we're ready to go. Great. Thanks so much for, for taking the time to speak with us this morning. Um, coach, for those that, that might not be familiar with you, can you kind of give us some of your, your background on, on your basketball journey, uh, kind of how you got into coaching and, and how you ended up as the head coach at Mountainside? Um, well, it goes all the way back to, um, 19, yeah, 19, what is it, 88? Um, <laughs> I, I started, uh, my coaching career over at, uh, Central Catholic, where I went to high school, where I played. Um, and I started out as a volunteer assistant coach and, uh, did that for a year with the freshman girls program. And, um, after that, I, um, stayed there for, I think, um, four years, maybe five years, and um, as an assistant coach and just kind of worked my way up. And uh, the next year I was freshman, JV, you know, varsity assistant. Um, then, the, then the varsity job opened up, um, applied for it, didn't get, didn't get it, um, and then applied for a position over at LaSalle High School, a head position there, and I, I got that. So my first head job was in 92. And um, um, and did that for three years, um, and then went and helped out my uh, good buddy over at um, uh, Sunset High School in the boys program. Uh, went and helped out Ken Harris, and was a huge, huge, uh, valuable experience for me um, doing that. I met him um, when I was a uh, when I was first coming up um, through the ranks as a uh, as a coach at the Ten Star Hoop Camp, and uh, that was back in the day. And um, let's see, did that for a year, helped him out for a year, and and like I said, very very valuable experience. Um, you know, obviously a legend in the coaching ranks. And then um, Central Catholic opened up again, and so I went back, I applied, got that job, and um, did that for four years. And, uh, then needed a break. Um, so I went and helped my buddy over at, uh, Centennial, Jeff Stanick. And, uh, did that for a year and then, uh, was refreshed and ready to go or two years, I guess it was. Um, and then, um, spent the bulk of my time over at, um, West Lynn. West Lynn job opened up in 2001 and, um, did that for 12 years and had a great, great time there. Got a lot of my philosophy in and, and established a lot of my philosophy and, and so forth. And and then after, let's see, uh, after 12 years there, then I went to Lincoln, uh, went, and, went and coached over at Lincoln. A uh, good buddy of mine, Ken, um, um, Jeff Peeler, hired me and did that for four years 
and, you know, um, enjoyed that time in the PIL. And then um, state tournament came around, and uh, Pete Lukage at Sunset, he called me, or he, he sat next to me at the state tournament and asked if I would be interested in applying for the for the mountainside job and um, really had no interest of leaving Lincoln. I thought I was going to be my last stop and and um, and actually, you know, told them that um, initially I wasn't interested in it. And then I went home and I and kind of slept on it, woke up and, you know, thought to myself, what am I doing? This is crazy. Um, you know, you got a uh, experience to start a job or start a program from the ground up and, um, you know, build philosophy and culture and so forth. And um, so I went back to the state tournament. It was the next day. And, uh, you know, I said, told Pete, I said, hey, I think I am interested after all. And he goes, well, good, because I already told, you know, Brian Sorensen you're going to call him anyway. <laughs> he, Pete knew me pretty well. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's, that's kind of how it all, how it all started. Um, so that was what, that's now entering my 34th year of coaching and 26th year as, um, uh, as a varsity coach. So. Yeah. That's great. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Pretty crazy ride. But, yeah. Uh, coach, you talk about, you know, that, that kind of, uh, experience, that opportunity to, to start a program from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you kind of talk about uh, what that was like? Uh, I mean, what were some of the issues maybe that you ran into and, and, and how did you go about doing that? Well, um, I, you know, I would say, um, you know, building it from the ground up is, is, uh, you know, you can count the number of coaches who have had an opportunity to do that, um, that have opened up new schools in, in Oregon and, um, obviously, you know, with no experience of doing that. Um, but, you know, I think it's a coach's dream actually to, to, you know, do something like this. So, I mean, you just, we came into it with the idea of, um, you know, um just teaching these kids and giving these kids opportunities um you know and from the ground up in terms of um you know this is how we do things this is how we're going to um um uh, build this program and and we were fortunate in the aspect that um at Mountside that um they were going to only start us out um with freshmen and sophomores and so, I mean, it was like literally, you know, we we had the opportunity to um, really start young and only play the JV schedule. And um, so that was that was so there was zero, absolutely zero pressure. Um, I was I was really fortunate with um, um, the administration because I had two quality, you know, administrators that. Um, had started this with our principal, um, Todd Corsetti and, um, AD Brian Sorensen. Um, and they were the only ones on the interview board and they knew the importance of, you know, building, um, and, you know, that it was going to take a while or, you know, in, in some people's minds, it was going to take a while. And, um, so, you know, just starting from the ground up and just, you know, just, it was just like, you know, a brand new baby. Um, so, 
can't remember exactly what your first question was initially, but uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's just been a, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah. Did Did you run into any um, issues, maybe that you weren't expecting, or or things that you know, being at previous jobs, you weren't prepared for, just because it was so new? No, no. I think going into it, we just knew that um, you know it was going to take baby steps, and we were going to have to build from the ground up. And and you know the the formula that I've used, I guess, in in all of my stops is you know just realizing that we've had to work with our youth to build our program all the way through. And you know, and so that was um, the boundaries were already all set, and um, um, and so we knew what kids we were going to have, and 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 so forth. And so, you know, we just we started with our youth um, all the way down to the fifth grade, and then just built it um, and did this. You know, a lot of the same things that we do at the high school level with those youth kids. So, um, but you know, realizing um, any of the challenges. Uh, we just needed to get through the first year. We played, like I said, we played a, um, a freshman in a JV schedule the first year, so we um, just did that, and there was absolutely zero pressure there. And then the next year, um, you know, just stepping up at, to the varsity level, um, you know, obviously coaches have a little control of, over some of the games that they choose, um, and so we, we kind of looked at our schedule really closely. Um, in our particular In our particular case, um, you know, we knew that um, um, we were going to have a uh, a pretty good group coming in, and um, so we we um, worked with them as as eighth graders, and 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 then just kind of all the way all the way through, um, just kind of uh, followed it and um, um, made some what we thought were some good decisions, and and just um, went with it. Yeah. Could you talk about your, your youth program? I, I think that's something that, um, you know, I notice and, and think you do really well. And I know other coaches, uh, think that as well. Uh, can you talk about kind of your philosophy and, and how you go about building a youth program? Yeah. Well, I think it's really important that you have continuity within your entire program. And that, like I said, that goes from the fifth grade on up. Um, Obviously, at the youth level, it's dialed down a little bit, but um, if you take a snapshot of our program, you, you would see that and you would hear the same calls um, that we use at the high school level, um, the same philosophy in terms of what we try to teach. Um, so uh, when we go into a tryout setting or, or whatever, I know I've been in some programs where, um, you know, you don't have a lot of control of the youth. Um, but in this particular situation, we had, you know, all, all of the control. And so, um, we, you know, we go from, um, choosing, choosing the athletes, choosing the coaches, um, and, um, and then giving them the blueprint of what we would like them to do. And obviously, like I said, um, uh, you have to sometimes, um, dial it down. And then you also have to sometimes make sure that, you know, you have the right people, like the right coaches in place. Um, because sometimes, you know, um, a lot of these situations you'll have parents in these, in these coaching position, positions. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, it'll be, it, sometimes it's tough because they'll sometimes want to 
you know, do things a certain way. Um, so, but the other key thing is, is, is to make sure that, um, and I've done this at every stop that I've been at, is that my entire coaching staff um, plays an integral part in our youth. Um, so we're either down there literally coaching them as well as coaching their, our high school teams or um, staying there staying very very involved um, with the youth ball or um, on you know during weekends or anytime we have an opportunity to go to their practices um, and um, I think you'll that that's been probably the, the key thing because if these kids know you know your philosophy or know um, you know fifth sixth seventh graders don't really care about philosophy but I mean if they know your ver- verbal cues and what you know what you're calling, um, that makes it that much easier when they get to high school. Um, staying involved, I think, with youth players um, in terms of um, inviting them to your open gyms and to your um, to your um, your summer program that you run, um, getting them clearly involved makes a huge difference. Um, I, I've felt over the years. So um, just involvement. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. You you talked about a little bit about, you know, hiring, you know, you go as far mm. as to hire your youth coaches and you mentioned right. that, can, that can be difficult. Uh, what are some things uh, that you look for in your youth coaches? If you're going through a youth coach interview, I mean, what are some of the things that you're asking? What are the characteristics you're looking for? Well, like I said, I mean, a lot of times you're hamstrung by, uh, you know, your availability. I mean, your, um, you know, the opportunities that you have because um, sometimes you, you know, you're, you're, you don't have, you don't have the ability to go out and hire a a coach because, you know, a lot of these coaches sometimes are younger themselves and you can't pay them sometimes. Like in the, in the Beaverton School District, for example, I can't pay my youth coaches. Um, In some of the other spots I was at, you know, we had a nice little stipend for, for coaches. Um, and so then I could go and handpick, you know, really handpick who I want. These situations, like for example, in the, in our district right now, is you know that I can't I can't pay coaches. So, um, you know, and then um, and then you are kind of um, stuck with a parent or whatever. And not that that is bad. I mean, if the parents are buying in and and so forth, that's that's great. Um, but sometimes, you know it puts pressure on them because other parents are thinking that you're, that they're favoring their daughter and so forth. And, you know, it just kind of creates dilemmas a little bit. But, um, so what I look for, um, you know, to answer your question, what I look for is, is young, ambitious coaches that, um, want to get into the coaching ranks. I think this is a great way to start. Um, I really, I, I, you know, I think this is a great, um, you know, if, if your high school coaches is staying extremely involved with the youth program, um, um, I think that's really important that, uh, that, you know, they see what you're doing at the high school level and then they can implement what they're doing at a dialed down pace. Um, so, you know, and then basically, um, you know, just looking for coaches that, you know, want to do the right thing and want to be part of a program and, and, uh, see the fruits of their labor down the line. <clears throat> yeah. Do, do you intercede in those maybe you know, those conflict situations where you've got a parent coaching and maybe another parent is saying, you know, oh, they're favoring their daughter. 
I mean, are you are you involved enough that do you step in and handle that situation? Uh, I or, have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I have at times. Um, and a lot of times, and so in our situation, in a lot of the other places I've been, we've had a youth, what we call a youth board, um, and we've got a president, secretary, the whole nine yards, and a nonprofit type situation. And um, we have a parent reps. And so, you know, I've got a really good parent rep right now, and, and they typically handle all those situations. When I do need to be involved, um, he he will let me know. And, um, you know, you know, anytime you have situations like this, you have to do what is in the best interest of the program. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times, you know, um, if I need to step in, you know, I have no problem with doing that. Um, so, um but in some situations you don't you don't have these deals and so the parents so the coaches have to um uh kind of you know handle it all themselves you know and again these are and, and a lot of times I've, I've also heard coaches tell me that, you know hey it's not it's not great for the head coach of the entire program to make a lot of these decisions because then you are setting you know you know um standards or whatever or you have influence too way too early too early on a kid's career and so forth. And, um, you know, and I, I, I think it's just a matter of, um, having, you know, really good communication with your youth parents and trust. And, you know, if they see you're working really, really hard, um, they will have an understanding that you're in it for the, for the right reasons and, uh, have your, have their daughter's uh, best interests at heart. Yeah. You mentioned tryouts, uh, for, for your youth. I think a lot of, a lot of programs do that. So do you cut kids, let's say a fifth grader, sixth grader, or do you provide like a, a second team for them to play on? Is it like an A team, B team, or is it like, no, we're on one team, this is our fifth grade team? Yeah, yeah. Um, the goal is the goal is to um, obviously always uh, not have to cut kids. And so um, we have the capabilities of having two teams at each grade level. And then um, – uh, try, try to provide those opportunities. And yeah, I hate, I hate trying, I mean, I hate cutting kids, um, mm-hmm. obviously as, as every coach does, but, um, you know, there are situations where you have to, you know, make some tough decisions even at a younger age like that. Um, so unfortunately, uh, you know, yes. Um, but when we do those things, we also keep in mind and to tell kids and, and parents that, um, you know, we have, this opportunity here uh with uh our rec program and you know and then you know I open up our entire program to our to our youth so like open gyms um all of our youth are are have great opportunities to come all the time and and participate with our high school kids and so there's one opportunity um our summer program if they're in if they're going into their freshman year or even sometimes in unique cases if they are going into their eighth grade year. Um, they can play part of our summer program. And so there's opportunities. And I just try to impress to parents and, and kids that, hey, once you get to the high school level, I have a ton of opportunities, you know, um, to move kids around. And, and um, you know, because a lot of times, you know, we have to play at our certain grade level. Um, you know, I've been in situations where I could move kids around at the youth level. But then, you know, in some situations, you know, you have to play at your at your um, grade level. So it makes it tough. It makes it tough. Yeah, absolutely. 
are some things that you do? Uh, you know, you mentioned having your your high school staff involved at the youth level, but if, yeah. if you hire a young a young aspiring coach, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they're coaching your sixth grade team. Uh, how do you support them in their development as a coach at the youth level? Well, in the hiring process, um, I, I let them know that you know uh, it is paramount that they are you know, using the same verbal cues that we use at the high school level. And so they have to be on the same page before they even get in the front door. Um, And in terms of supporting them, um, uh, you know, the biggest thing is to be around. If they need us in terms of help, um, advice, you'll, you know, so forth. Um, You know, this is a full-time – for me, the only way that I know how to do it is is to um, is to be around and to be visible, mm-hmm. and so if you know, on the weekends I'm there, I'm supporting from afar, uh, you know, and and then um, you know in terms of practice situations, um, I, a couple of years I've even I've even coached the team um, as as well as my other high school duties, but basically I mean it's just you know just support. I mean, um, any, my phone's always on and uh, we. Before the season, during the season, we'll have um, coaching clinics for our youth coaches, and then um, you know we'll have coffee meetings, you know X and O coffee meetings, mm-hmm. to um, to help our coaches out. Um, that's how I that's how I plucked um, our uh, when I was at Central Catholic. Um, I don't know if it, very many people know this, but Sandy Dickerson. Mm-hmm. at uh, Central Catholic. She was um, an eighth-grade coach at St. John Fisher, and I saw her coaching at a youth tournament, and I just plucked her out of the – I just saw her coaching, and I just said, you know, God, she could be huge for us, and uh, and I brought her over to LaSalle. She was an assistant with me there, and then and then uh, later on um, on my staff at Central Catholic. But, you know, there's a lot of young coaches out there, and she's not young. I mean, I mean, she's <laughs> – She's actually older than I am, but uh, she was just coaching her uh, the St. John Fisher team where she was a PE teacher. And um, um, so, anyway, that's off topic. But no, that's good. Yeah, we talked to Sandy in, uh, in a previous episode, uh, and she kind of mm. talked about that a little bit actually. So that was uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. That was great. Um, Coach, I want to talk about too. I know you know if, if people follow you on social media, I think they see how involved you are with the youth. You know, you take, you know, you go to all these games, you're taking pictures and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I, I kind of want to talk about the, the social media aspect of it because that's I think a newer part of uh, our job, possibly as as high school coaches. Um, and I think it it's something that kids really enjoy. Um, you know, getting, you know, their picture taken or tagged in a post and, and things of that nature. Um, can you kind of talk about, I mean, how do you go about doing that? Do you think that helps kids feel uh, as part of the team? Um, you know, what's kind of your, your philosophy behind, behind that? Well, I'm old school and, and I, you know, I started when we didn't have any of this, when we, you know, still used a quarter or 35 cents to make a phone call. Yeah. Um, so I wish in some, in some instances that we didn't even have this social media stuff. Well, in a lot of instances that we didn't have this social media because, I mean, it, it does create a lot, you know, a, a whole lot of, uh, issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we have a whole section in our, uh, varsity retreat, uh, um, agenda that we have to deal with social media. 
Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's great to see your name up there. I mean, it allows everyone to be a critic. Um, you know, it used to be only, you know, other parents or, um, other coaches could be, you know, coaches on the sidelines. Now we have all kinds of, um, coaches on the sidelines with, with the social media stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously we have to put in new rules, you know, uh, how we deal with all this stuff and, and, uh, you know, the ear pods and, um, <laughs> uh, dealing with, uh, the Snapchats and the uh, TikToks and, you know, that seems to be the big one right now, the TikTok and, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so us older coaches use the Facebook or whatever, and they're using the TikTok and, you know, all the other new things that we don't even know about that they're using. So, yeah, new rules and new guidelines and, you know, you know, we've all been in situations where kids have, uh, made some, um, some decisions that, uh, came back to bite them in the butt and, um, so, yeah, stuff. Keep yeah. it up. <laughs> no, no Coach, you want to do a TikTok? I don't have a clue yeah. what you're talking about. So. Yeah, no kidding. Um, coach, I think one of the hardest things to do uh, as a varsity coach is is uh, keep your your mind and focus on your entire program. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times you get focused on on your varsity team and, and preparing them and things of that nature. Uh, what are some things that you do? I know you talk about the youth level a little bit, but I'm I'm talking more with you, like your freshmen, your JV, your yeah. JV two teams. How do you, how do you keep them involved? Ensure they're developing um, to you know help you out as, as a varsity player in the future. Right. Well, you know, first of all, I mean, it 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 doesn't change much from what I talked about earlier. I mean, it's mm-hmm. continuity. You have to have continuity within your program, and so. You know, everything that you're doing, you know, at the, at the varsity level should trickle down to the JV and the JV2s and the freshmen, whatever. Um, and using the same verbal cues. We're really big on verbal cues in our program. Um, so if I'm saying, you know, um, you know, weak side help or, you know, whatever it is, uh, squeaky feet, big hands on closeouts, everyone in the program knows what that means. Um, and, uh, and then also just having trust in your in your other coaches that they are getting the job done um, with you know their their particular team. Um, one of the things that we do in our in our program, I mean, I remember back in the days when we were able to start in November first with basketball, and so you had an entire month. Um, and back then, when I had that entire month, I always had the entire program practice together for the first twenty minutes of every single practice. And that way all coaches were able to see all kids. Um, and you created that, that sense of family. Um, and, and so, and now, you know, when we start on the 12th or whatever it is, the 15th of November, now you only have two and a half weeks before your first game and it makes it a little bit more difficult, but we still try to do that. Um, right. where all coaches are working together. Um, and we're, you know, we're seeing the same thing. We're doing the same thing creates that sense of camaraderie within the entire program. Um, and, you know, the younger kids see the, you know, sometimes the older kids in our case, in our case, the same, our peers, they're seeing their peers doing the same things that, you know, their coaches are asking them to do. And so um, I think that makes a difference. And, 
you know, and then, you know, the delegation part, you know, delegating to our coaches that, um, uh, to, to do the, the things that we're doing, um, and just having trust that they're doing that. You know, a lot of times you bring in younger coaches and, you know, they, they have their agendas or they want to, you know, they think that winning is the, is, you know, <laughs> the only thing or whatever. And just having them have an understanding that, you know, it's about building. You know, our freshmen and our JVs are about building. Um, so. Yeah. No, that's great. I like that. All right, Coach. Uh, we're going to take a, break, a quick break. Uh, we will return with more from Coach Lee right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Want more from the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast? Visit our website at anchor.fm slash OBCA or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Derek Duman here with Mountainside Girls Basketball Coach Glenn Lee. Um, coach, uh, you talked about in the first segment that you've, you've been at this a long time, uh, 34 years in the coaching profession, um, 26 or 28, I think you said as, as a, as a head coach. Um, what has contributed, do you think, to your longevity, uh, in the profession? Well, um, you know, I'm an out, I'm, I'm one of those dinosaur, and it's not actually, it's not actually new to many people anymore, but, uh, Back in the day, I was one of, of, of the few out of building coaches. Um, I work at the Oregon Golf Club in Westland, um, where I've been there for, um, this, this September will be 28 years. Um, and being an out of the building coach and being at OGC where I, where I've been has allowed me to, um, put in the time and the energy that I need, um, for coaching and, um, you know, because obviously the golf season is uh, um, spring, summer, um, fall, early fall, and in the winter time it kind of really slows down, and so that enables me to get out of the, get out of there at you know two o'clock, two thirty, whatever. Um, and um, so I would not have been able to you know be in be in coaching you know twenty six years. Um, or 30, actually, what is it, 33 now or whatever, 34 at the high school level, if it wasn't for, um, the Oregon Golf Club. Um, you know, I've had, I've been through a number of different general managers and, and I've basically let them all know that, you know, this is, this is my, my passion. Um, and so, and then, um, they've all, you know, they've all allowed me to coach. Um, and, uh, We've made it work. We've made it work. Um, but then along the way, I've also had um, a number of great influences um, that have helped me. And I think starting starting from my varsity coach when I was in high school, um, Bob Osborne, uh, you know, played for Bob and uh, um, just like a father figure. Um, and then um, his his uh, assistant at the time. Um, and been a long time assistant there in the program before he took over um with Steve Halligan and um you know who won a state title um uh, with Billy Ack and all those guys back in the day. Um 
But I got the both. The, and I always tell him, I always tell Bob, I actually just, at the end of the our current season this last year, I went down to the beach where he's um, where he's uh, living now and spent the weekend with him. And um, I, I told him that, you know, I got the best of both worlds when I, when I uh, got to be um, coached up by uh, himself and Steve Halligan because I got Bob's philosophical side of, side of things and then Steve's intensity level <laughs> um, and I don't know if Steve would take that the wrong way but um, <laughs> he was very intense and uh, um, you know uh, it was all about the defensive end and, and Bob was a little bit more about the offensive end so I got a little bit of the both worlds there um, and then having you know like I said earlier having the opportunity to work alongside uh, Ken Harris for a year was uh, extremely valuable um, but you know that that has driven me. Uh, that has given me a lot of um, um, passion. And then um, just you know, I always tell the story to my kids. Um, you know, I played um, four years of high school basketball. Um, I think my senior year, I played two minutes and forty-one seconds um, the entire season, mm-hmm. and um, was basically you know a practice player the entire year. Um, but at the same time, uh, wouldn't have it any other way, was not upset about, you know, lack of playing time, this and that, um, just to be part of something um, was huge for me. Um, and, you know, the ability to watch and learn and see how people interact and so forth. So um, that's, I guess, what's kept me in it, um, you know, giving back, that kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, how do you, how do you try to balance? I think, I think now more than ever, you know, being a head coach is, is a year round mm-hmm. deal. We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, you know, how do you kind of balance that, uh, kind of that work part of, of being a coach, uh, with the fun part slash, you know, having your own life outside of basketball? Yeah. I mean, yeah. how, how do you, how do you kind of balance that to, to maintain that for so long? <clears throat> well, um, it's not easy. I mean, um, you know, I, I kind of joke. I say that, um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, basketball is, you know, 11 months out of the year and I take the month of August off and don't do any basketball whatsoever. Um, don't return any text messages, any phone calls regarding basketball situations. You know, obviously we're always thinking about it. Um, but, um, um, and planning and, and those kind of things. And it's always in the forefront. Um, so as I've gotten older, it's gotten easier to do that. Um, when I was a younger coach, I mean, it was 24 seven and I mean, and it still is, but it, you know, I did, I do need a mental break. Like this, this was the first time I think in, in 20, 26 years of coaching at the varsity level that I took the weekend and went down to the beach after the state tournament was over. Um, I've never done that ever. Um, that was, it's kind of unheard of. It was a unique situation this year. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, it was, um, a situation that, um, I really needed and, uh, was thankful that I had the opportunity to, to go down and visit with my old, you know, varsity coach. So, um, but, it, it, you know, it, is, it, it has to be a, you know, in this day and age of coaching, it has to be a um, uh, a prereq that you do that, um, that you, you take that time for yourself. Um, otherwise, um, it'll be a short career. <laughs> right. 
Right. Well, it's a good reminder, too, because I, I do think there are coaches that um, their careers are being sh- cut short because um, they have a hard time with that, right? And there's just so many demands um, yeah. being a head coach and, and trying to find that balance is really hard. Um, and the sooner you can find it, the better. But um, right. it's definitely, definitely tough. Um, <clears throat> coach, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, this, this past year. Over your career, you, you've coached some, some really good basketball players. Uh, this past year, you got to coach, uh, Cameron Brink, who, who's going to go play at Stanford, um, next season. Uh, and, and it's pretty, pretty rare, I would say, for most coaches to get to, to coach that type of player. Um, what are some things that you did or how did you maybe coach her differently because of, of who she is and her talent level uh, than maybe you coached the, the rest of your team? Yeah. Well, you're right. It, it was a unique situation um, and uh, one that probably doesn't come along that often in a coach's career. Um, you know, we, we basically, um, you know, I don't have, I don't have any real, um, magic answer. I mean, you know, I coach the, the, the talent pool that we have. Um, so when she, when she came in, um, you know, we obviously had to change a few things, um, to, to highlight her. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, we went from, we went, I'm, I'm, I like to think of myself as a, as a, um, if I've got, a three-point shooter, I'm going to highlight them with some quick hitters. If I've got um, a posty type player, I might do some um, some straight-up triangles or, you know, whatever. Um, if I've got a, you know, and with her situation, I mean, she has the ability to play all five positions on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it didn't, it didn't limit us to what we could do. Um, so early on in the season, we tried some different things, you know, um, you know, we tried to use her length quite a bit, uh, so we put her on the top of our press, um, and then we realized real quick that, ah, she takes too many chances and she's going to get into foul trouble too much, and <laughs> so we, we, we put her in the ba- behind, and, and, um, but, I mean, we just, we just kind of moved things around and, and we tried different things, um, but the bottom line when it came down to it is, um, you know, her back to the basket, um, I mean, she shot, at one point in the season, I looked in the on the on the stats, and she was seventy-two um, percent from the left block and eighty-four percent from the right block. You know, I mean, just mm-hmm. just and and so we tried that, and but at the same time, you know, she has the ability, and I I like to you know hopefully prepare our kids for the college, the next level, and and um, you know in college she's going to be in a, out on the perimeter from time to time, um, and. And she's got the ball handling skills of a guard. And so, you know, we moved her around from the outside, and, and she had the ability to shoot from the outside. Um, so we allowed that to happen. Um, but, um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a great experience in that regard, um, yeah. especially when, you know, um, your, your arguably your best player is one of your hardest workers. Um, I mean, and, and, uh, you know, she, all the accolades that she's gotten over the years, um, um, you can see why. I mean, because she works really hard at her game. Um, 
and he's extremely competitive, probably one of the most competitive kids that I've ever coached. Um, so, yeah. yeah. What did you do, uh, you know, because I think, you know, team chemistry is really important, and obviously it, it helps when, when you get a, a player like, like her to come in. Um, but, you know, you talk about working with kids that have maybe played together since they were in fifth grade. This new yeah. girl comes in. You know, how do you ensure that, that the team is still together, the chemistry is still good uh, to, to keep them focused and moving forward? Yeah. You know, and, again, these are always touchy touchy situations. I mean, and I'll, and I'll put it – I don't know so much about on the boys' side. Mm-hmm. Um, I know on the girls' side it can get a little a little catty and, um, you know, a lot of jealousy and that kind of thing. And um, um, we did the best that we could in terms of trying to limit that, um, you know. But, um, you know, things, things happen, things develop. Um, and, you know, as a coach, I needed to probably do a, a lot better job of, of making sure that uh, um, that kids saw the big picture, um, you know. But, um, you know, just trying to, trying to, you know, just that, make, make sure that the kids are seeing the big picture and seeing that if they all, you know, sacrificed a little bit um, for the greater good and for the, for the program that, you know, some good things could happen. Um, you know, um, but it's tough. It's, 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 I've had a number of chances over the years, um, um, that have helped out over the, in, over the, you know, course of my career and, um, um, you know, some make it easier than others and, um, some make it extremely, you know, you know, a smooth transition. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, and I, I would have to say in Cameron's, in Cameron's case, you know, so, um, highly thought of in terms of, uh, um, you know, her abilities and so forth. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a situation where, you know, we all did the best that we could in, you know, considering the situation. Um, and, um, it was, it was a, it was a great experience, great experience to go through. That's for sure. Yeah. Coach, you mentioned earlier um, you, you take your team on, on a retreat uh, preseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of cool. go over policies and things. Can you can you talk about uh, what, what are kind of the goals of that retreat? What is it that you do, um, and how do you think that helps your team as you go into a season? Yeah, um, due to the timing this year, I mean, and, and I've always had a staple in our program that we did that, but uh, due to the timing this year and situations and us traveling to Arizona, we, we were not able to go on our retreat this year. Um, and, and I, I kind of regret that because, um, you know, spending that time just basketball, I mean, just, you know, together and off the floor and those kind of things, um, are, are paramount, especially in this day and age, um, with kids and so much access to social media and like you said earlier and, and so forth. But some of the things that we do, um, you know, just your typical team bonding things. Um, but the bottom line is, is, is the communication and the trust, um, you know, exposing those situations and um, so that they pay off later on the floor. Um, you know, we, we thought we'd use our, our time in, in uh, Arizona for that, and, and, you know, there just wasn't enough time to do the things that we like to do in those uh, – in those uh, – um, in that weekend, um, right after triads are over. 
Um, but it's just a lot of um, having, you know, getting letting the kids get to know coaching staff and vice versa, um, and you know, setting the setting the um, parameters and the agenda for the upcoming season, um, you know, goal setting, um, and the bonding time, you know, the silly little games, um, which all are a huge part of um, the process for, um, I think, building a team, building um, camaraderie, continuity, trust, um, communication. Um, so, I, uh, you know, we missed it this year. Um, yeah. and I think if we would have had that had that opportunity, um, you know, a lot a lot of things would have been um, smoothed over over the course of our season this year. Is that you do that just with the varsity, or do you let like the JV and freshman programs come as well? No, um, just we we just do it at the varsity level. Mm-hmm. Um, the JV and the JV programs they have a. Um, um, and one night over a sleepover at a parent's house or whatever with a team dinner and the coaches come and they uh, um, do their spiel and then they leave and then the kids have their little bonding time. Um, right. But it's a, it's just a dialed down version of, of what we do at the varsity level. Um, so I would love to take everyone, but I'm, you know, size wise, you know, right. restrictions <laughs> that the BFD puts on you uh, make yeah. it difficult. Yeah. Well, I think it's great that you do, I mean, even that at the, the younger levels, I think sometimes, you know, again, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but you get so focused <laughs> on the varsity level that, that that freshman team needs that experience too, yeah. right? And the JV team oh, needs absolutely. And yeah. so finding an adapted yeah. way to do that is, I think, really important. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do team dinners at the youth, at the, mm-hmm. at the freshman and the JV level. Um, and uh, they have their, their own little Christmas party and that kind of thing. And, um, so it's just um, a lot of times it's just a dialed down version of, of what we like to do at the varsity level. Because yeah. um, I know I know you know a lot of times um, uh, our sub varsity teams see all the accolades and all the the gear and all the you know blah 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 that the varsity teams get, and you know there's a lot of jealousy and that kind of thing. And um, um, so trying to Involve them as much as possible makes a huge difference in the in the camaraderie of the entire program. So when we like, for example, when we meet as a um, as a program, we always uh, um, we we practice together initially uh, at the beginning of the um, of the season, and then we you know um, towards the end um, it's a little bit more separated. But um, I see all of our kids every single day. Because um, we practice at the same the same time slot, um, they do their warm ups together, and then we separate and and so try to create that family um, camaraderie and that atmosphere for those kids. Um, you know, it gives me an opportunity to do you know daily bulletins and you know um, reminders to everybody. If, you know, so yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> Coach, as, as someone who's who's been in the profession a, a long time, uh, what is some advice that you would have for younger coaches or, or coaches that are just entering the profession? Um, well, you know, first is is um, you know, make sure that you that you understand, you know, that it's not about the the wins and the losses so much 
um, when you are coaching at the sub-varsity level. It's about um, building them for the varsity level and, you know, giving those kids the confidence and so forth. Um, and, um, you know, just basically, uh, um, you know, we all need to go through the the ranks, if you will. I mean, um, I started out as a volunteer coach and that, you know, timing, you know, had it such that uh, I was able to get into some of these certain situations. But, um, you know, just uh, trust, trust the, trust the, uh, um, the process, I guess, um, you know, and, and make sure that, uh, um, you know, you're always willing to put in the time. A lot of coaches, I think, these days um, are not willing to put in the time. They want the quick fix. Um, you know, they want to coach ABC, but they're not willing to put in the time. Um, you know, and uh, you know they, you know, they're more concerned about the the win loss record than they are about um, you know the process. So that's good advice. <clears throat> All right, we're going to take another break. Uh, when we return, Coach Lee will try to beat the shot box here on the Oregon Basketball <laughs> Coaches Podcast. Stay up to date with the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association by visiting our website, or.nhsbca.org. Or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash OregonBCA. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We're talking with Glenn Lee, girls basketball coach at Mountainside High School. Uh, coach, for my next set of questions, uh, I'm going to put you up against the shot clock. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to put 35 seconds on the timer, and I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions uh, that should only result in one- to two-word answers. Uh, I'll let you elaborate uh, after the shot clock buzzer sounds uh, and uh, a little bit later. but uh, one or two word answers, and we're going to see how many we can get through. How's that sound? Great. That's great. Good. All right. 35 seconds begins now. Should Oregon High School basketball have a shot clock? Yes. Should it be implemented at the sub-varsity level? No. All six classifications? No. If you're up three points with less than 10 seconds, do you foul? No. How big of a lead do you need before you pull off a press? 25. Favorite way to guard on-ball screens? Over the top. Should the high school three-point line be moved back? No. What's your favorite pregame meal? Um, caramel apple spice latte. What's one word officials would use to describe you? Intense. There it is. Time. Nice work, Coach. That was pretty well done. That was well done. I think we got six or seven questions there. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like it. Um, uh, the sh so I call that the shot clock segment. Um, obviously, the, the shot clock is, is something that's uh, been talked about quite a bit in, in Oregon high school basketball and, and even across mm -hmm. the nation. Uh, you know, you mentioned you were you were in favor of that. Uh, can you kind of elaborate on, on your answer as why you'd be in favor of the shot clock? <coughs> Well, that that answer has kind of evolved over the years um, because back in the day when maybe I didn't have the most talented teams, I would use not having the shot clock to my advantage 
Um, you know, working, working possessions and possessions being key. Um, you know, and, um, you know, a great example of that is, uh, my buddy over at, um, Centennial. Doesn't always have the greatest talent pool, but knows how to use the clock to his advantage. And, um, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was with Sunset and, and Ken Harris, I felt that he, he did that, um, from time to time, you know, knew how to use the clock to his advantage and, and so forth. Um, but as I've, as I've gotten older and as I've seen, you know, I could go either way with it, but as I've, 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 as I've seen the game evolve and so forth and the talent pool getting better across the board, um, it's pretty rare anyway that the, the, um, uh, the shot doesn't go up within 30 seconds um, in, in this day and age. Um, so, and then I've seen what, what's happened with volleyball. Um, you know, club volleyball, they've, uh, they've started implementing the rules that they've used at the college level. And basically those, these kids are now being, and being prepared for, you know, college by having the same rules. So I wouldn't mind, you know, I wouldn't mind actually going to, you know, um, having a shot clock. Um, I, I think it's difficult. Um, and one of the, you know, one of the things that is holding, you know, everyone back is you know, maybe the cost, mm-hmm. um, the cost factors of, you know, can every school afford that? Can every school district afford that? Um, you know, you're paying an extra person to, to run that clock because it's not the same as the scoreboard. And so, I mean, but I think hopefully within the next five five years maybe they figure it out. But yeah, I've been hearing that for a while now. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I can tell you, we found out it's a slow it's a slow process, right? It's a slow yeah, process. It is. So. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a little bit. You know, high, uh, excuse me. College level is thirty seconds. Do you think mm-hmm. that if Oregon does adopt it, should we go right to thirty seconds at the college level, or maybe thirty five just to kind of get used to it and see what it's like? Um, I think you do exactly what the women are doing at the college level, you know. Um, I'd like to see us, you know, kind of mirror everything that they're doing at the D1 level, to be quite honest with you, because I think, you know, if you have any teacher D1 kids, they need to play in that situation. I think, uh, you know, the strategy of of being able to move the ball to half court, um, you know, in situations like they do in time after a timeout, um, after a made basket, I think, you know, all those strategical things make a huge difference. And um, um, why not try to implement those now at the at the high school level so those kids are even more well-prepared for those situations, so. Yeah. Now, how about the three-point line? Because I know that's, that's one that's, I think, one of those things that they do at the college level that I know high school coaches aren't quite sold on yet um, as far as moving the three-point line back. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny you say about the three-point line because, um, you know, the child center this this year, we had three lines there. Every yeah. kid always took the furthest line away. So, I mean, they can shoot it there. And yeah. The percentages might not be the best. Um, you know, uh, we ran into a buzzsaw in Liberty, and uh, they shot from deep, deep, deep shot, deep, deep threes. Um, but um, – yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not necessarily sold on moving it all the way back. Um, you know, 
we do a drill in, in uh, practice called, uh, uh, well, we got it from uh, being at one of your guys' clinics uh, and Kelly Graves doing the red light, green light drill. And mm-hmm. uh, we do that a couple times a, couple times a week to see what kids can actually shoot from that distance with any kind of consistency. And um, I think we've had one kid, uh, Taylor Smith, go 28, I think got 28 spots, um, which I thought was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so anyway, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't think it needs to be moved back any further. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Coach, you talked a little about, you know, club volleyball. I think uh, club sports, um, especially on, on the, the women's side, um, is something that, that is, can be tough to, to deal with um, just because I think there are, are good athletes that, that should maybe be playing other sports that, that opt not to do that. Um mm-hmm. What what are some things that, that you do maybe to to keep girls involved in basketball, even though basketball might not be their their number one sport or their their number one passion? Well, I think the first thing that at the high at this level is you have to create opportunities for for athletes. Um, so I know as a as a player and a, as a little rug rat growing up. Um, you know, I always just hung out at the park and this and that. I mean, the days of that are long gone. Kids mm-hmm. don't even know what the park is anymore. And so at the girls, in the girls, girls level, um, if, if you don't create opportunities, they will rarely go out. I mean, your, your, you know, your, your high school player that is not totally into basketball, if you don't create opportunities for them, they will not, they will not create those opportunities for themselves, um, unless you are, you know, you know, the stud that is doing the club stuff or and that kind of thing. So I think creating opportunities is huge. Um and because it's um but it but at the same time I tell all of our kids, you know, hey, go out and do multiple sports, you know, and don't make a decision about playing um just one sport until the end of your sophomore year. Um because, you know, you're missing out on a great opportunity. You know, and I really, really highly recommend that even if you are a stud, um, that you still try to try to do other things so you don't get burnt out. I mean, I remember when I was at West Lynn, I had a kid who was a Division One athlete in two sports and um, had multiple offers in uh, uh, both sports, volleyball and basketball. And by the time she graduated, she was so burnt out from playing club volleyball, club basketball, or she actually didn't play club basketball, um, just club volleyball, that she gave up all sports. Yeah. And went on to um, honors college at uh, Oregon State, and now making six figures or whatever. And um, so the burnout factor was is is something to be very concerned about. Um, so. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Last question I have for you today is, is the idea uh, has been kind of kicked around, uh, <clears throat> not necessarily seriously, but has been talked about at least, and and that's the idea of uh, having a the girls tournament separate from from the boys tournament. So, for example, uh, you know the five a six a girls would be at one site, the five a six a boys uh, would be at the other site. Uh, what are kind of your thoughts on on that? Well. Again, I'm old school guy. 
And, you know, I remember the days of the 16-team tournament, which I thought was um, a travesty to have go away. Um, and um, I I personally, I love it because, um, you know, the state tournament, first of all, is uh, the time that, you know, you get to see your your peers and, you know, um, you know, social, I mean, not to be, to be, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Networking with. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's, uh, just great opportunities to see everybody that you haven't seen all season long. And, and I just, I, I really think that the experience, because I mean, you know, I've been doing it now, what, you know, 30 something years or 26 at the varsity level. And, you know, how many times have I been to the state tournament? You know, I've been there twice as a head coach and once as an assistant. So it doesn't happen like, you know, all the time. I mean, yeah. you know, you've got your, you know, your, your teams that are always getting there. You know, hopefully we can create that on the outside. But, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that uh, you have to um, <laughs> work really, really hard and you have to be very, very blessed and lucky mm-hmm. in some situations. Um, so I just think it's a great experience. And, and I would, yeah, I, I think, you know, from a selfish standpoint, I think uh, a 5A, 6A together, Girls would be great and boys, but I know as a community sometimes it makes it really, really difficult. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about double headers in the, uh, in the Metro League from time to time. Um, you know, and from a selfish standpoint, you know, yeah, maybe one time for the community, but you know, I like to see my kids play because right. if I had a double header at my school, I wouldn't be able to see, you know, my, my freshmen play all the time or my JVs or actually the freshmen. Yeah. So I wouldn't be able to see them play, and, um, you know, it makes it difficult. So yeah. long story short, probably um, 5A, 6A girls together and uh, then the boys at a separate site. Yeah. Well, Coach, uh, thank you for joining us uh, today. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And I um, applaud you on all the great work you guys are doing. Thank you. We, we appreciate that. And uh, thanks again for, for joining us. Uh, if you have any follow-up questions or want to get a hold of Coach Lee, you can find his contact information in the episode description. We hope you'll join us again next time here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Until then, coach him up. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website or send us an email at OregonBasketballCoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.